my name is Maddie and I oversee our gathering communities with my husband Mark who's up in the booth there with our babies strapped to him. Gathering communities basically are a way that we try and create a place called home for every single person in Ashford. We are really passionate about creating safe spaces, spaces where people can actually do life to each, like, to each other, with each other, all those kind of good things. So we are really, really passionate about that. And um, yeah, I'm excited to share with you this morning. So if you've been around in August, you will know that we have been doing a series called Real Faith, um, which is basically kind of looking at films that are around at the current, our current time and how God speaks to them and how they are kind of appropriate to where kind of what we're saying as a culture and stuff like that. So the film that I'm talking about today is a film that some of you may be a bit like, oh God, uh, <laughs> I'm going to be talking about Frozen. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I really resisted watching this film for a long time after it came out. So I'm quite a law-abiding person, but I there's a little part of me that's a rebel and when something has massive merchandise and all, it was just everywhere wasn't it I mean I still see adults dressing up as Elsa and I'm like what is going on so I really resisted watching it for a long time but uh, then my son started to love it at nursery and, and we caved at Christmas I think wasn't it and we were like this film's amazing I cried I'm sorry I cry a lot of films there we go but I think this emphasises actually how we connect with stories. So again, hearing MJ talk, hearing John talk, like how we connect with each other so often is through our stories. That's why we celebrate them every week on a Sunday and so much more in between then too. We want to get to know people. We want to get to know what makes them tick. So that, if you're wondering why as a church we're kind of looking at films, that's why. Because we love stories and we love to see what God's doing in them. So before I talk anymore, can we have our first clip please, dearest? Elsa, psst! Elsa! Uh, wake up, uh, wake up, wake up! Anna, go back to sleep. I just can't. The sky's awake, so I'm awake. So we have to play. Go play by yourself. Uh, uh. Do you want to be a snowman? Come on, come on, come on, come, come on! Thank you. 
what happens next, you will find out. So, as you can probably gather from that, Frozen is a story of two sisters. Um, there are aspects of their life that are quite normal. They like to wake each other up in the morning, they like to play. There are some other aspects that perhaps we're not so familiar with. They are princesses living in a palace, which some of you may be able to relate to, but I certainly can't. So their parents are the King and Queen of Arendelle. And as you can see from that, Elsa has the ability to turn things into ice and snow, which seems quite exciting to me. And all is going swimmingly until, as you saw in that clip, she accidentally injures Anna. And from that point onwards, their childhood takes a slightly sinister... Not sinister is a bit strong, but a, a bit of a harsher route. Um, the parents, the king and queen, want to make sure that Anna is always okay and that Elsa's powers stay a secret. So essentially, they spend the rest of their childhood locked away in this palace, which for anyone who's tried to spend time with a child locked in, locked in four walls, it's a pretty hideous place to be. So it's a real, yeah, it's, it's not good. Um, and really for me, when I first thought about what film I was going to do, when I thought about Frozen, I was like, okay, I'm going to talk about Elsa, because she's lived her whole life in like this story of shame and fear and not being able to be who she's designed to be. And, you know, suddenly she's going to break free and find freedom and all this good stuff. And I'm a real, like, passionate anti-shame person. I hate shame. It, it divides people. It ruins communities. It absolutely sucks. So that is something that I could talk about for a long time. Anyway... God kind of had other ideas, which was slightly inconvenient, but we went with it. God was really staring at me about the story of Anna, this younger sister. The sister who, when we'll see in a minute, she leaves um, warmth and comfort and like the best party ever to go and find her sister who goes off. And I remember as I was um, prepping for today's talk, I said to Mark, you know, how am I going to talk about like God's love for like 20 minutes? Shame I can talk about till the cows come home, but love... Then I was like, Mads, if you can't talk about how much God loves us for 20 minutes, there is something severely wrong in my heart. So, anyway, let's see what happens next. Excuse me. Your Majesty, if I may ease no, your... No, you may not, and I, I think you should go. The party is over. Close the gates. Yes, Your Majesty. Elsa, no, no, wait! Give me my glove! Elsa, please, please, I can't live like this anymore! Then leave. do to you enough Anna no why why do you shut me out what why do you shut the world out what are you so afraid of? I said enough <laughs> sorcery I knew there was something dubious going on here Elsa
fjord. Are you all right? No. Did you know? No. Oh, no. Look, it's snowing. It's snowing! The Queen has cursed this land! She must be stopped. You have to go after her. Wait, no! You! Is there sorcery in you too? Are you a monster too? No, no. I'm completely ordinary. That's right, she is. In the best way. My, my sister's not a monster. She nearly killed me! You slipped on ice. Her ice? It was an accident. She was scared. She didn't mean it. She didn't mean any of this. Oh. Tonight was my fault. I pushed her, so I'm the one that needs to go after her. What? Yes. Bring me my horse, please. Anna, no. It's too dangerous. Elsa's not dangerous. I'll bring her back, and I'll make this right. I'm coming with you. No. I need you here to take care of Arendelle. On my honor. I leave Prince Hans in charge. Yes, so, if you've been around church for a while, you may start to see a couple of parallels, perhaps with a well-known story about a lost sheep who wanders off and this guy called Jesus who decides that he's going to go and find that sheep. So I'm just going to read that. This is uh, from the Bible in the book of Luke, chapter 15, verses 3 to 7. Then Jesus told them this parable, which is basically another word for story. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Now, to me, when I was thinking of Anna's love for her sister Elsa and her complete lack of concern for her own safety, and Jesus and his love for us and his complete lack of like, care for his own safety as he comes after us and pursues us, I just thought, like, this does not make sense. This is a love that really, really does not make sense to me. Like, you may have, if you've been around in Sunday school, I've heard this story of the lost sheep hundreds of times in Sunday school growing up. And sometimes when we hear something repeatedly, it can kind of actually lose its value a bit because we think, oh, yeah, yeah, the story of the lost sheep, Jesus goes out, he loves us, that's great. And then when you actually start to think about it, you're like, this is nuts. So Jesus leaves the 99 sheep in the open country. I, I don't get this. Like, I like rules. I'm a pharmacist by trade, so therefore I do protocols and like guidelines and I count pills and I stop doctors killing people and all of those things are good. And Sorry, Helen. Uh, it's true. Um, I, it's, like, it's all good stuff, but it's like I like to follow exact directions and therefore hearing that Jesus leaves those sheep in the open countryside to go off after that one sheep that frankly probably should have known better than wandering off this doesn't make sense. So even if I could have got myself to go, yep, okay, I do love that sheep enough to go after it, I'd be like, I'll just lock away the other sheep somewhere safe. I'll just, you know, put them in a barn so no one else can get to them. But no, he leaves them in the open country in pursuit of that other sheep that's wandered off. The other bit about that bit that I just read in the Bible that doesn't make sense to me is the way that when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. Now, I'm sure as parents, when your child does something that you, you are not happy with, like wanders off, 
When you're reunited with your child, you joyfully sweep them up and say, my child, it's so good to see you. I'm not at all annoyed that you've just wandered off. I'm feeling nothing but grace and compassion. Um, but no, there is a really self-righteous part of me that's like, you know what, that sheep wandered off. Uh, we used to live around the corner from um, Marlowe's Butchers in South Ashford. And uh, one of the guys there, one of the sons, used to be a sheep farmer. And he was like, honestly, never again will I farm sheep. They are so stupid. Like, they, they want to die. Like, they want to wander off. They want to get lost. They want to get stuck in gorse and all the rest of it. Like, there is something inherently in our nature that we just like wandering away from things. So to me, um, I don't really get this story. Like, God's love for us is so incomprehensible that I, I can't get my head around it. God's love is reckless and illogical. It doesn't make sense. It spills over into everything. Yes, it's purposeful. God's love is absolutely purposeful and intentional, but it's also reckless and illogical. And if we let it, when we start to let God's love into our lives, it spills over into every single part of us. I don't know if you've noticed that. You kind of let God into one thing. You're like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm ready to maybe start experiencing. I'm going to dip my toe in, and it's like, wow. God's love just takes over. It's just incredible. And as I was thinking about this talk today, um, we have, we're in a semi-detached house now and we've got a fence in our front garden between our house and our neighbours who are lovely people. And I like a bit of a country-style garden, you know, I'm a bit of a messy gardener. I like plants to just be free and do their thing. As I was walking up our path, there's some geraniums spilling through from our gar garden into next door. And in my head it was like, this is what God's love is like. Like, we can fence it, we can try and fence it, but we cannot contain it. We can hem it in, we can put it into one piece, but it will just keep bursting out, because that is the nature of his love for us. God loves us because we are his children. The Bible says that we are made in his image, which I don't think actually means that when we go up to heaven, he's going to be like, yep, I look like you, and I look like you, and I look like you. I think it actually means he's going to look at us and say, there are characteristics of me and you. There are characteristics of me that I've put in you because you are my children. You are my precious chosen children. And that to me is just wonderful. There is the fingerprint of God in every single human being on the planet. There's a beautiful bit of the Bible that's often read at weddings. Today I'm just going to take a part of that. Yeah, so this is from the book of Corinthians, which is actually a letter Written by a guy says, after Jesus is born, died, goes to heaven. A guy called Paul starts the early church and goes and plants and starts lots of churches. And he's writing to the church in Corinth and he's talking about love. And this is from the Passion Translation. It's just a different translation of the Bible. So he says this, love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements, nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honour. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offence. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. And for me, as I said earlier, when Mark and I are overseeing our gathering communities here at Asher Vineyard, for me, that bit of love being a safe place of shelter speaks so much into the heart of what we're trying to do here. That's what Mark and I want every single person in Ashford to have access to, a safe place of shelter, 
whenever they want it, whenever they need it. I oversee our amazing Toddles team. So Toddles is our toddler group. We meet here every Tuesday in term times. This room is transformed. There aren't chairs like this. Children, funny enough, don't sit in ordered rows. Uh, children have loads of fun. They, it's chaotic. It's noisy. It's beautiful. It's relational. It's everything that like, it should be. It's wonderful. And we, I, like, overseeing that team, we are so passionate about creating a safe place of shelter for those parents and carers of Ashford. Uh, we started to introduce just like people just putting name badges on because I don't know about you, if you're a parent, you can have the most in-depth conversation with someone one week and the next week you're like, I have forgotten your name and yet we've shared birth stories and this feels slightly awkward now to be like, sorry, what is your name? So I introduced um, name tags and a mum had forgotten to put one on and she's like, oh, it's all right. Like, I'm, I'm used to being called mummy anyway. I was like, yeah, but Emily here, you get to be Emily. Like you're not just a mum. And it's no disrespect to being a parent. I love being a parent. It is like such an honour. But there is more to me than being a mum. And we get to call people by their name every single week. And I love that. We are starting to see mums with severe anxiety being referred here. And that, you can hear, that, that has a big impact on me. So we have Home Start that works in our communities. And they are starting to refer parents here to Toddles because they know that that parent is going to come in and find safety and community and love and coffee and cake and all good things. It is such an honour to be there in that group of people. And you may still be thinking, okay, so like, why are you still passionate about Toddles as if that wasn't enough? Because my heart overflows with love for the parents and carers at Toddles. Because I hear of mums who've suffered with severe loneliness and postnatal depression and my heart breaks. Because I know how hard that parenting journey is and I know how essential good community and good friendships around me are. Because I know that for many of those parents, that moment of vulnerability when they're in this environment here at Toddles is the only chance I might get in, that, in their life to show them the love of the Father. And therefore, I just want to love them. I just want to love them. <sighs> Because everyone is designed to be a part of God's family. And I will do all I can with the gifts and the skills and the capacity, which is limited, and the time that I have to show people the love of the Father. And sometimes I've had to message our Toddles team afterwards and be like, I'm really sorry, I was so tired today, you got the dregs. You got the dregs after a not great night with B or with Jude having wet the bed for like the 8,000th time and all that kind of stuff you got the dregs, but that's what it is. It doesn't matter. The dregs are better than nothing, so that's, that's all I've got sometimes, and that's great. That passage also says about how love is incredibly patient. And for me, this speaks to the inconvenience of love. This week, Mark went away. Uh, he had to work away in the joys of Clacton in Essex on Thursday night. Jude, of course, had chosen that night to find a Sharpie in my pen that I hadn't realised was there and draw on the walls of our house. So that was a joyous moment. And I was trying to, it was literally, it's half six. I was like, right, the end is here. Thank the Lord. We're going to take the kids up for bath time. It's great. And there's a knock on the door. And I open the door, and it's one of our neighbours, Lara, who's such, a, she's an amazing, like, she's an incredible woman. And she, her boys are with her ex-husband on holiday and Oliver had dived into the pool and had whacked his head and was in hospital in Rome. And it was all, you know, she, she said, she's like, I'd spoken to my mum on the phone, but I just wanted to see someone. So she came round and 
honestly, it was the best thing. But there was that part of me that's like, I know that if she'd have texted, I would have just said, can you just come around later? Because this is a bit inconvenient right now. But the fact that she just knocked on the door, it's like, at first I was like, this is really quite inconvenient. And I was like, isn't that, that is the beauty of love. That is the beauty of community. It's messy. It's really inconvenient. And actually, I was really glad she, she turned up because Jude decided to kick B in the head. And I was like, here you go, hold a baby. Let's get rid of the four-year-old, that's fine. And Mark and I are increasingly trying to carve out margins in our lives so that we can be more inconvenienced by God's love. There are so many times I'm like, oh, I wish I could just drop some flowers around to that person, but I, then I overthink it. I'm like, I haven't got time because I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to do that. So actually, I just need bigger margins in my life because I need to be more inconvenienced by God's love for people. So, going back to Frozen, where are we up to? So there are lots of, there's a long journey. It's basically very snowy. You've probably got the gist. There are trolls, which is a bit of a random intro. There are people getting arrested. There's Anna almost dying. And we finally get to, drum roll moment for the last clip of Frozen. tried to save her, but it was too late. Her skin was ice. Her hair turned white. Your sister is dead because of you. her sister so sacrificially that she gives up her own life to save Elsa's. Does that sound a little bit familiar? God loves us so much that he sent his son to show us that love and ultimately to die for us on the cross so that we can have an unbroken relationship with God. Jesus, before he dies, he actually prays for us. Isn't that crazy? He prays to God about us. And he's basically saying to God, like, I want, I want people that love us to like, have the same unity, that same feeling of togetherness that I have with you. Isn't that crazy? Like, we get to experience the same level of connection with God that Jesus has. I, I can't get my head around that. It's just incredible. Anyway, so I want to end with this. How would it change your life to really experience that love every single day? To experience each and every day to know that you are fully known and you are fully loved by God. 
Would it change how you interacted with God? Like with MJ, that was like a, she was just desperate. So I don't want to live life kind of in neutral or even in first gear. I just want to live life like fully out for you, God. That doesn't mean doing more stuff. That means connecting more with God. What does that look like for you? Would it change how you spent your time and who with? I remember Nick saying to me once, she had spoken at this boot camp. She said, the thing is, Mads, people talk about how they want to see people encounter Jesus. When I ask them how much time they spend with people who don't know Jesus, they're like, oh, well, actually, all my friends are, are Christians. There is nothing wrong with having Christians. I have amazing friends who love Jesus, who help me grow my relationship with him, who help me develop so much more than I could do on my own, who lift my arms up on times where I feel like I've got nothing left to give. But actually, generally as a rule, hanging around with people that think the same as you, feel the same as you, look the same as you, your, your world and your mind is going to just stay so small. For me, I'm learning to love with what I have. I'm broken. I love incompletely. Sometimes I'm very stressy and bossy. Sometimes when my child draws, draws Sharpie on the wall, I honestly... You don't want to see into my head at that moment in time. It's not a great love. But I also live in the knowledge that as I grow into experiencing and knowing more of God's love for me, my ability to love other people will also grow. My ability to love well will also grow. And for me, that's a journey I'm really excited to be on. So, shall we stand? I'm going to pray for us. Just take a moment just to... Enjoy God. And um, as the worship band was singing earlier, there was uh, the song that I will just, the Good Good Father song, which I was like, this is so apt. Because actually, all I have is knowing that I am yours, God. I am your child. And when people ask me loads of questions about life and theology and politics, I don't know. It's like, it doesn't matter because I know I've got a good, good father. And there's a verse in that song we sung that says, and I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like. I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night. And I felt like there are people here this morning who perhaps you've heard through other people what Jesus is like. You've heard bad stories and good stories, miracles and people not having miracles. And I just really want to invite you in this moment just to, just to have a bit of a brave conversation with God and say, okay, I want to feel that for myself. God, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that your love for us cannot be hemmed in and fenced in and boxed in. I thank you that you pursue us, God. It's not about how much effort and striving we put in. It's, it's your goodness in us, Lord. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.